The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. God gave rock and roll to you! Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It is the pod of thunder and rock and roll. How y'all feeling tonight, people? And it's the 25th anniversary of my favorite Kiss studio album, Revenge. Exactly to the day in 1992, May 19th, uh, Revenge came out. I remember it uh, very well. I went straight to the HMV in Calgary, Canada, uh, in, uh, in Calgary. Um, at the, uh, I'm trying to remember what the name of the mall was called. Uh, Glenmore, it's like Glenmore Trail. Anyways, you got South Center Mall. And I went in there and I bought my uh, cassette of Revenge. And I got a free poster with a band looked really cool. Paul and I are going to talk about that. Uh, because Paul Stanley is here, as I get to it. His third appearance on Talk is Jericho. But I loved Revenge when it first came out. Uh, it was a return to form of uh, Kiss kind of embracing the heavier style of music that was going on at the time. Like Pantera, embracing their rock roots, getting rid of the... Uh, uh, of the different colored uniforms they used to wear in the 80s. Um, it was just a, a really cool, cool time to be a KISS fan. I love the lineup, Bruce Kulick, Eric Singer, Gene and Paul. So um, I've been thinking about this for a while. As you guys remember, I did the 40th anniversary of KISS Alive with Paul at his house, and he kind of went through and analyzed the album and the experiences he had with it. I came up with the idea to do it again for revenge. I went to Paul's house again to... Uh, to uh, do this and I got a great story to tell you uh, after the show was done we talked about revenge for over an hour and when you go to Gene Simmons house he's got all the kiss memorabilia everything is up there because you know everything chloroforms uh, color forms sorry jigsaw puzzles eight tracks bowling balls statues dolls sheets lamps condoms uh, caskets everything in between paul has nothing in his house of anything kiss related um and we're going to talk about this too about the pinball machine that he has so anyways after it was done paul uh, asked me if i wanted to play the pinball machine so we went and played it and man i kicked his butt i i was i was doing great man i was i, I don't know if i really kicked his ass but to me i was and the best part of all was is that like in my mind i'm beating paul stanley at pinball in his own house on his own kiss machine 
And I thought that's pretty one of the coolest moments I've ever had uh, in my life. The fact that I got to play Kiss Pinball at Paul Stanley's house after talking to him for an hour about revenge and doing pretty damn good. I think I beat him, is, is what I'm saying. So anyways, uh, great, great time. Uh, great show today. Paul and I have awesome chemistry. It's Paul's third visit to uh, Talk is Jericho. We're going to be talking about revenge, the writing and recording of the album, why it was such a game changer for the band and for Paul and Gene in particular. Paul's talking about guitarist Bruce Kulick's role and how they motivated him to do some of his best ever playing. He does kill it on that record. What it was like with working uh, with uh, Bob Ezrin, again, the producer, and how it was to do the album, the first one without drummer Eric Carr, who was sick during the rehearsals and pre-production and then passed away during the making of the record. Paul's also got stories about the album artwork, the title, and, of course, all the classic tunes, God Gave Rock and Roll to You, I Just Want to Take It Off, Unholy. Paul Stanley's Revenge is coming up, but I want to tell you, there's still a couple tickets left uh, for Jericho's Revenge. Actually, it's not called that. It's called The Words of Jericho. Listen in, man. June 8th at Vicar Street in Dublin. Uh, We've got a couple tickets left for that. All VIP are sold out, and all tickets are sold out for the June 7th gig in Belfast. But if you're in Dublin, please go to Ticketmaster.ie. I also got another uh, uh, spoken word show in Winnipeg, which I want you guys to come check that out. That is August 25th, and that is at um, Club Regent Event Center in Winnipeg with my special guests Lance Storm and Cyrus from Killing the Town. You can get all those tickets at Ticketmaster. There's also a VIP meet and greet. Come on down and check it out if you are in Winnipeg or if you're in Dublin, Belfast. I'm sorry we sold out. These shows are a lot of fun. It's me standing up there telling great stories about my career, uh, just having a good time answering questions and uh, just being me. And isn't that enough? (laughs) Speaking of being me, me and Fozzie uh, are continuing the Judas Rising tour. Tonight we are in the House of Independence in Asbury Park, New Jersey. Greetings from Asbury Park. And what a great week of, uh, of touring it's been. We had a huge show in Milwaukee. There was about 1,200 people there. Uh, great, great show uh, in Green Bay after. And then Pittsburgh. Man, I got to tell you, Pittsburgh was insane. Definitely the, the best crowd of the tour. Fosberg, for those who are there, know what I'm talking about. The band is on fire on full cylinders. Judas is now over 2.5 million views on YouTube. Uh, it made the Billboard charts as well we've never had a single on the billboard charts that came in at number 45 and in the bbc charts in england it came in at 33 so thanks to all of you who have watched the judas video thanks to all of you who have bought the uh, single on itunes and thanks for coming to the shows like i said we're, we're in asbury park tonight house of independence tomorrow we're sold out in winchester at the blue fox 21st is in morgantown west virginia at the main stage that's going to be a huge show did some great radio and press for that over the last few days 23rd returning to the machine shop in flint michigan Michigan. Um, it was always a great time there. 24th, we're in Joliet, Illinois at the Forge. Uh, and then the Foo Bar in St. Louis on May 25th. And then we kick it off. We end the tour with three huge festivals. Rock, Lahoma, 26, 27, River City Rock Fest, 28, BFD in Dallas. Uh, so come check us out on the Judas Rising Tour here in the United States. And then we're going over to Europe to download on June 11th. Main stage with Aerosmith. Come check us out there. We're on early in the day, but it's the main stage. Our second appearance on the main stage, both of them coincidentally with Aerosmith. Funny. Then I'm hosting the Metal Hammer Golden God Awards on June 12th at the O2 Arena in London. We're sold out at the Crawford Arms and Milton Keynes on the 13th. Could be a secret gig on the 14th. I know I'm going to be there ready to rock and roll, so stay tuned for that. Um, thank you so much for all of the feedback about Judas, like I said, and the video. So let's check it out. Another spin. Why not? It's, it's Paul Stanley's Revenge, and it's uh, Chris Jericho's Judas right here on Talk is Jericho. 
Kicking off the Judas Rising tour with Judas in the set, kicking off the show with uh, 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 our biggest hit, basically, which is cool because I saw ACDC open with Back in Black once, and I saw Cheap Trick open with I Want You to Want Me. So we're following the fine tradition of opening with our biggest tune, which sucks everybody in and uh, sets up the rest of the night. So don't be late if you come rock to us, and don't be late right here, right now, because Paul Stanley is back on Talk is Jericho today, and I got one more important thing to talk about before we get to all the stories behind the classic Revenge record. And that's the one thing that uh, Fozzie is doing on the tour, DDP Yoga. We're all using DDP Yoga Now app to get workouts in after shows so that we can stay loose and limber and injury-free on stage. And you've seen us on stage. I mean, Rich and Paulie D are trying to outkick each other. They're uh, doing those David Roth high kicks. I'm jumping off the riser. Frank and Billy are just going insane, sweating everywhere. We need DDP to uh, keep us uh, pain-free. And the great thing about the DDP Yoga Now app is that I can literally do a workout whenever and whenever I want. I just open up the app on my phone and get to work backstage at the venue, on the bus, and in my hotel room. DDP yoga is a great program for anyone any age any skill level and it's so much more than just a workout it's a healthier way to live diamond dallas page has made it so easy for you to get on board with his life-changing program it changed my life i want you to take advantage of this tremendous deal that dallas is offering he's giving you 20 percent off the ddp yoga now app and all ddpy merch and swag just go to ddpyoga.com slash jericho there's a bunch of new workouts on the app and the ability to do live workouts from the ddp yoga performance center He's got nutrition tips and recipes, lots of tools to help you track your progress. And like I said, Dallas is offering you this incredible deal on DDPY. Get 20% off the DDP Yoga Now app and all DDPY-related merch. All you got to do is go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. That's all you got to do to take advantage of this tremendous deal. ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. That's ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. Do it today. Get in the best shape of your life mentally, physically. Do what Fozzie is doing to continue to give you guys a kick-ass rock and roll show, leaving 100% of our effort, blood, sweat, and tears on the stage. That's through DDP Yoga. You can do the same. If you've been sitting around waiting, wondering, now's the time. ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. Do it now. I got one night to spend with you, and I'm going to make you scream. Talk is Jericho. Okay, uh, for the third time, the returning Paul oh Stanley. You're almost becoming a regular. I know. This is, this is so cool. Either either I'll get it right this time, or <laughs> I don't know. Beautiful house here, and uh, I always feel weird. The Canadian style is you want to take your shoes off whenever you come to somebody's house. Actually, um, 
Erin just showed me an article that I, I wanted to read saying that there's a lot of reasons to actually take your shoes off in a house to stop from spreading all kinds of germs and bacteria. Yeah. So uh, there's actually a, a reason to do it besides a, a formality. Well, I think in Canada, too, because there's always like so much snow and like, you know, water and muddy. So I always like it because your house is so nice. I felt a little bit weird walking with my shoes. They're squeaking all over the place. Oh, my, my, I'm, try, I'm still trying to figure out what's on the floor because my, my shoes are squeaking, too. I was going to bring this up, though. I, I did the, uh, an interview with Gene in his house. And obviously, you know, everyone knows the gene, which is like Kiss stuff everywhere. Your house is the opposite. But I actually, for the first time, see a Kiss souvenir of the pinball machine, which is the only Kiss souvenir in your house yes. down yeah. here. Um, it just fit this room. I tell people I don't need to be reminded of what I've done because right. I know what I've done. <laughs> so to turn my house into like a, a monument to me is just, <laughs> I don't see it. it. It would be oppressive. It would yeah. take something that's great, my accomplishments, and turn it into something looming over me. So um, the, the Kiss pinball machine is just here because it's an amazing pinball machine and it matched the color scheme, let's be honest. <laughs> is that a vintage one? But this is the new the oh, new okay. Stern one, which is absolutely a phenomenal piece of technology. Does it amaze you like how many new Kiss products and items and how the, the brand name of Kiss is probably maybe even bigger now than it's ever been? Well, it, it is definitely bigger than it's ever been because there's so much more diversity and the breadth of technology and, and merchandise has, has broadened so much that, that the the things that you could do um, that there weren't any outlets for before apps, you know, emojis, uh, things like that. So yeah, certainly the numbers speak for, to back it up. I mean, kiss has never been bigger than now. When there was the kiss emojis, I sent them to the guys in anthrax and they were like, where'd you get that? That's great. The Paul Stanley smashing the guitar. Very you know, cool. It's cool stuff, right? Yeah. But we're talking today because it's the 25th anniversary of, of revenge. Wow which to me is my favorite Kiss studio album. Um, as you know, I love non-makeup Kiss. And there's always, like, now we're getting into the time frame. The last time we spoke was the 40th anniversary of Alive. And then it's the 30th anniversary of this and 35th of that, 25th of this. Do those ever resonate with you? Do you even know until somebody like me points it out to you? I, I'm completely unaware, mm -hmm. completely. Sometimes you'll, you'll text me or somebody will get in touch with me and say 40 years ago today. And I'm like, really? Um, <laughs> It's astonishing. I, I I have no no sense of time when it comes to our albums because I don't I, I don't know. Things seem much more like uh, yesterday mm -hmm. for me. And uh, when somebody says, "Oh, Destroyer is what is it now?" Forty three or something like that. Probably it was seventy six, right? Destroyer yeah, 76. it it doesn't mean anything to me until I relate it to. Wait a minute, Evans twenty two. So it was 20 years before he was born. Right. When I make those kind of connections, I, I get more of a sense of what it means. But time really has no no bearing. And it, I, I don't connect to time in terms of anything other than when I use it as a reference point. Mm -hmm. I mean, 10 years ago to me is no different than 40 years ago to me. Nothing's changed that dramatically. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of a signpost of yeah, it's just, the history uh, yeah, of the band. I, I, you know still doing what i've always done so it's right. basically 
business as usual. Now, do you agree with people when they say like Revenge is the best Kiss album from from the non makeup album? How do you feel about it as a, as a whole? Twenty five years later, I think Revenge is a, a great album, mm-hmm. a really great album. It could have just as easily been called Vindication, <laughs> and I think that going into that album, coming out of uh, God Gave Rock and Roll to You, which was really a testing ground for us and Bob to see how we got along together and, and whether we could do something worthwhile and that lived up to what we did on Destroyer, not sounding like Destroyer, but the chemistry. So you're talking about um, getting together with Bob Ezrin. How yeah. did that come about for the God Gave Rock and Roll to you? We had been asked to do a, a track for Bill and Ted's Bogus Bogus Journey. Bogus yeah. Journey, as opposed to Excellent Adventure. <laughs> yeah, this is the sequel. And uh, I think the idea was to do th- this song, which I was familiar with, God Gave Rock and Roll to You, the title of which is fabulous, mm-hmm. the chorus of which is fabulous, and the song itself is pretty dorky. I re- it was kind of a hippie song from yeah, the 70s, about, right? Yeah, about mushrooms and fairies. I, I don't even remember, but I remember seeing Argent, at that time, that was the band that did it. And Russ Ballard was the guy who wrote it. And Russ wrote lots of great tunes. So, you know, I, I'm not quite sure. Maybe the idea was thrown out or maybe we just thought, why don't we get in touch with Bob? Because in, in the script of the movie, God gave rock and roll to you basically saves the world. Right. Like the world is about ready to be taken over by the Grim Reaper or whatever. And then this song makes everybody like Kiss saves the planet almost. Yeah, and I I think that um, once the subject was brought up, and I'm sure it came from us to Bob, it really came down to, let's see what we can do together. I think there was a lot of raw nerves and a lot of hurt feelings and a lot of embarrassment. And I think everybody had a lot of baggage from from doing The Elder. Mm -hmm. So getting together was... uh, and unknown didn't know how it was going to go and i think everybody came in not only with their a game but with the idea of proving something and disproving something else mm-hmm. so when we we worked on god gave rock and roll it really felt like the old days there there was an amazing chemistry once again with bob and a perhaps more of a sense of us having more to offer than we did when we did Destroyer. And and I think uh, it wouldn't be harsh to say that our musicianship was not what it was when we got back together to do Revenge or God Gave Rock and Roll to You. So the idea to, to go into the studio and rearrange and rewrite a song and come up with something that was as uh, intricate and bombastic and symphonic and dynamic as God gave rock and roll to was thrilling. It really was a feeling of um, vindication that we could do something extraordinary. And, uh, you know, to this day, when I listen to that, it's, it's in a class with very few of our, our songs. So that really was the seed and the impetus for doing revenge with Bob. I think he probably felt the same it was it was we did it with a certain amount of anticipation and a certain amount of trepidation 
Did you feel like you had something more to prove with Bob? Because it seems like a destroyer so critically acclaimed that the record that that broke Kiss out into the mainstream, and then Elder, which at the time was critically panned. Listening back to it now, it's a great record, just in a different style. It's it's a different undertaking. Well, that's that's kind, (laughs) and I I wouldn't necessarily agree with you. I think it's I think it's not a a, a very good album. I don't I don't think um, I don't think it has any sense of cohesiveness i think that um the vocals particularly mine are just very stilted and um forced fake um the material is is disjointed which is no surprise because there was no cohesion in the studio there was no band half the time there was no bob half the time well let me let me be more accurate there was no bob most of the time um (laughs) And it was a, a tough time for all of us for different reasons. And um, I think Revenge was a rebirth of an amazing chemistry between us and, and Bob Ezrin. So uh, it was a very exciting, exciting time and a time where everybody was uh, determined to, to do their best. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, we looked looked on it very very seriously and i think we all had a sense of uh, a cause you know something that that we had to um because what is the state of, of of the band at this point in time in 1991 because if you're looking at hot in the shade which was the tour before you guys had started getting back a little bit heavier mm-hmm. playing older songs looking a little bit more leather rather than the the neon you know greens and reds of crazy nights and asylum and that sort of thing where, where was kiss at that point Although Hot in the Shade was not a great album, interestingly, it really was, once again, fragmented in the sense that Gene was off doing his demos and I was doing mine, and then we would kind of stitch them together, stitch those songs into an album. But I think more importantly, we, we, we started to find ourselves as a live band and ditched all the uh, the clothes that... I look upon now with whimsy. Um, <laughs> we were doing really long shows on the Hot in the Shade tour. We we could play 25 songs. Mm. And it really was us reclaiming our past and being proud of those first few albums mm. and, and, and using them as the touchstone in the show. So in terms of that, we were, we were ready to continue the band had a had a much better focus as a as a band, but we didn't have an album that really reflected that. And revenge was very much that, although it was a, a really horrible time because um, Eric Carr was sick, and um, I was thinking yesterday, you know, in in hindsight, and I, I've said this before, I didn't think he was going to die, hmm. although it was clear he was going to die. You look at somebody who's doing fairly well, and you don't see the end end game. You just don't. When somebody says that six people get this this particular form of cancer a year, and it's it's virtually fatal, you just figure, well, you're the guy to beat it. Mm-hmm. So um, it was very, very difficult because uh, on one hand, I wanted to keep going forward, and uh, I also wanted Eric to take care of himself and the the two of those things don't necessarily go together. Mm-hmm. So 
he couldn't really be a part of things. And I told him, go to an island, go take care of yourself. And there was a lot of push and pull because he wanted to be a part of things. And really, it was very difficult to think about him playing the drums and constantly saying, are you okay? Mm -hmm. So it was not a a, a fun time. And yet it was a a time of determination. Mm -hmm. The band's always been determined. And, um, you know, in light of whatever was going on around us, we still had a sense of a mission. And um, although Eric was on hold at that point, we had an album that that was uh, pressing and that we wanted to do. And um, we never really had a, a sense of replacing him permanently. We had more of a sense of recording the album and things will just work the way they're supposed to work. I don't know the end of the story until I read it. So mm-hmm. um, all we need to do now is is make a great album. So uh, Ainsley Dunbar came in, and Ainsley was just a, a gent and uh, always been a, a powerhouse drummer. And Ainsley, uh, it just didn't fit surprisingly to me because uh, I'm such a fan of his. He came from Journey, played in the early Journey. He played in Journey. He played in, in he played with Jeff Beck. Um, he played on the White Snake record, if yeah, I'm not mistaken. A, yeah, eighty-seven. Yep, yeah. yep. So uh, fabulous drummer. Then I said, "How about Eric Singer?" So when Ansley came in, you were rehearsing with him, but it just wasn't clicking. It it wasn't what I hoped it would be. Mm, I gotcha. So it was pre-production for the album, mm. and um, Ansley was just great, wonderful, wonderful guy. It was great to see him on stage with Journey, right? Yeah, for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which he deserved because he's on that that classic album so after that it it was real obvious to me that eric would be you know a perfect powerhouse and and uh, a great addition because i played with him you had just come off tour with him on the solo tour yeah yeah yeah. well actually a few years prior okay yeah because i think my tour was 88 89 right and so you know i'll I'll still say he's absolutely phenomenal phenomenal drummer Mm -hmm. always full of surprises and uh at that point, I didn't even know he sang, hmm. and he turns out he's a better singer than most lead singers. <laughs> but um, so he came in, and it just clicked. It just clicked. He he was phenomenal, and um, we just kept moving forward, and and we were all excited. Bob was excited. I felt great, and uh, we were we were on a mission mm-hmm. to create great tunes and uh to make this statement that would reclaim our sense of self Mm -hmm. because like the 80s had kind of been a strange time as well because you basically were the captain of the ship gene was doing off of the things and paul was the guy who was in the front writing the best songs at one point not even having a guitar being the front man of the band like a bon jovi or a vince neal would be in some of those videos and not that I ever wanted to be. Right. Which is is the interesting part is most people would relish <laughs> that that position. I didn't want it, but I didn't have any choice. And once I saw the lack of work on some other people's part, I said, well, hell, I will take this and run with it because if there's credit to be had, I'll take the credit, mm-hmm. you know. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, 
both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This, this is Talk is Jericho. Kiss has always been a partnership between Gene and mm. The best Kiss albums have great Gene songs and great Paul songs, and sometimes together. Mm-hmm. That went away in the 80s, but for Revenge, the biggest thing that I noticed right off the bat was the return of Gene Simmons, your partner. Yeah, and and that's really key. It's really key. Gene can be so caught up in, in being P.T. Barnum mm-hmm. that not only does the public lose sight of what he's capable of, but he may lose sight of what he's capable of. He's a phenomenal bass player, and when he's focused, he's a great writer. Mm-hmm. And I think Bob is a great taskmaster. The, the difference, perhaps, between doing Revenge and doing Destroyer was where we were in our career. We certainly had done enough on our own, had grown as musicians, had much more experience, so we weren't going to be in quite the same position of, if you will, camper and counselor. But we still looked to Bob for direction, final say, and um, just a voice of reason and uh, somebody who who we respected. And there's quite honestly, there's not that many people who I, for one, respect. And and Bob was one of them. Especially at that point, to kind of be the the director of ceremonies and telling you what to do in a lot of ways. Yeah, and and saying no, yes, uh, mm-hmm. that's good, that's not good. It worked great. It worked before, and it worked again. Were you giving him the final say, like like Bob has the last word, or is it still Gene and Paul's decision? No, I think we gave Bob final say. Mm-hmm. There was so much of uh, our history where we needed a tiebreaker. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, we, we were very much on the same page, although we brought different things to the party. At some point, it really became, I want to do it my way. No, I want to do it my way. So... For us, producers became the person to make the final decision. Mm-hmm. And in Bob's case, it was warranted, and, and he deserved it. He, When Bob was at his best, he was phenomenal. Did you have a uh, talk with Gene at all, or, or when did you realize that Gene was coming back with this great material? Did you listen to some demos, and, and why do you think he returned to form, so to speak? I think we all knew... We needed to, and I think, uh, I don't know, maybe his movie career wasn't going well. I don't remember, honestly, but I know that um, he was excited, I'm sure, to have Bob back, and um, there was a challenge to rise up to, so um, Bob wasn't going to let anybody get away with anything. I have to say that at one point, Bob had said to Bruce, you're not cutting it. What you're playing is not good enough and either you rise to it or we got to do something about it and that's terrific because it's typical bob Mm -hmm. and it made bruce work much much harder i'm sure it scared the pants off him and he went and worked his ass off and came up with the goods Mm -hmm. got much grittier and growlier and lost some of the frills that his playing sometimes had and really 
delivered. Mm-hmm. Bruce did a great job. Right, yeah, it's, it's, it's just a highlight record for him in a lot of ways with his leads and stuff. But when you're talking about, about some of the songwriting and another returning member of the family was, was Vinnie Vincent, how did that come about? Because there was a pretty acrimonious breakup between you guys you know, after the Look It Up record, but you bring him back in to write songs with you for revenge. Well, I guess some ties are meant to be mended and some aren't. And we unfortunately found out that uh, in some ways things do change. We, we could reconnect with Bob. We couldn't really ultimately connect once again with Vinny. Um, I think historically people have, have seen what's happened in the past. And so... It's not something that I want to get into, but... Where did the idea to call him in the first place? Well, we were, we were excited. Mm-hmm. And we were excited about exploring possibilities. Because you did write some great songs with him, no matter yeah. crazy or whatever he is. He's a, he's a great riff writer in a lot of ways. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you got back together with him, you sit down, put together a couple of riffs, and then go through the whole rigmarole again. And now we're going to go. Now we're going to move on. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but you did create some great tunes once yeah, again. Oh, the guy just wanna terrific. Uh, 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 Unholy is his as well. Terrific. So, yeah, there's terrific writing on that album. Tough Love is great. Um, it's a it's a terrific album. Heart of Chrome. Heart of Chrome is great. It's very um, heavy. Yeah, and e- everything came about rather easily and there was a cohesiveness to the material we were all very focused on the direction not because it was premeditated but we were all of a single mind Mm -hmm. i don't remember anything coming in where we said oh that's ridiculous Mm -hmm. everything was hand tailored to be part of this album at one point we we had great tracks but we didn't have the vocals we didn't have lyrics bob and i went to maui for probably a week and wrote the lyrics mm-hmm. so um it was a, a great time for us and and uh, a great labor of love you've always as kiss have kind of as the best bands have with longevity incorporated kind of other uh, elements of what's popular at the time for example i was made for love and you had a little bit of a disco vibe and you know, Crazy Nights is a little bit more of a Bon Jovi type thing, et cetera, et cetera. Was the element of like for like a band like Pantera that was really hot at the time, very, it's much more of a heavier sound. Was that creeping into some of your writing as well? Or was that thought process, we want to get a little bit heavier? I think it was more us showing uh, a determination and a, a steely focus on what we were doing. I think that the other side of that, and certainly to me comes across as disingenuous would be um what's that album called i can't even remember anymore carnival souls yes okay <laughs> see i blocked it out <laughs> that's you know, the grunt kisses grunge album yeah that that's like hey let's be let, let's be grungy and yeah. let's be angsty well we're, we're neither mm-hmm. we're, we have nothing to to complain about and and we're not a grunge band so that was a very much gene's idea of where we should be and uh i think it it fell flat in terms of resonating honestly. Mm-hmm. Whereas revenge isn't us trying to be anything except who we were at that time. Not unlike creatures, but um, sharper. Mm-hmm. Sharper, more focused, no frills, but great arrangements and great playing. Mm-hmm. But nothing 
unnecessary. Even from an image standpoint, too, though, I remember when I first got the record, if you bought it, you got a poster. And the band picture, guys looked tough, all leather and studs, and Gene had the goatee, and he looked like the demon again. Right. You know, and that to me was another cool moment in history where you came across once again with the leather and studs, which you had back in 73, 74, which you had abandoned due to the sign of the times over the 80s as well. Was that, was that a conscious effort? I think we, we were once again reclaiming, mm-hmm. not reverting. We weren't recreating something we had done as much as we were updating and reclaiming a, a point of view that we had had. It was exciting. It was exciting. We we loved what we were doing. Now, when you're talking about, let's say, picking a single now for for ten years, there was "I Love It Loud" in '82, and then "Unholy" in '92, and the rest of all of Kiss's singles were Paul Stanley songs. Mm. What was that? Um, was was that you guys all decided together? Record company decision? How did you feel about that? About breaking your streak of Paul um, Stanley singles? <laughs> I, I I think maybe it was necessary for some people in a sense, to say Gene's back. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't my favorite moment, <laughs> <laughs> but everything can't be to my plan. Mm-hmm. But you also have to know when um, something may not make you happy, but is probably the right thing to do. I could think of other songs on there that I would have rather had out, but I think it was very strong. I thought the video made a real point. And it was probably more important for Gene to reclaim some sense of self after his um, deviation to uh, Linda Richmond or (laughs) or Coffee Talk, which is old Saturday Night Live. (laughs) Coffee Talk amongst yourselves. Golden Girls. Yep. (laughs) Be Arthur look, right? And I I should talk. Hey, let's put feathered earrings on and (laughs) let let me put a little bit more eye makeup on. But- I think it was it was really important. Gene was looking really good mm-hmm. and was really focused. And uh, I think that needed to take precedence over some other things was to say, you know, he's he's back. When you mentioned there's other songs out there, would you have chosen to be the first single if it was up to you? Well, I mean, singles weren't singles in the sense that we expected them to be hits mm-hmm. on, on the radio. But um, I always veer towards my songs mm-hmm. because I just find them more accessible, more melodic. So I'm not surprising anybody by saying, you know, I just want, it could have been heart of Chrome. Wow. As, as, as the first single from the record. Yeah. Yeah. Well, once again, great riffs, you know, and I think what you pointed out about Gene reclaiming the sense of self, the God of thunder returning with this really dark, creepy, cool video which I loved, and also you wearing a shirt that says "fuck" on it, which was great. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I think if we overdid it, sometimes it was purely to kind of separate ourselves from the past. Mm-hmm. So whether it was wearing a shirt that said "fuck" on it, you know, it was a overt effort to say we know, we know, and we've changed. Mm-hmm. When you talk about I Just Wanna, and there's, um, I think one time we spoke before that sometimes when you produce records now by yourself, you think, like, what would Bob do? Mm-hmm. You know, and there's this 
crazy, really weird, melodic tempo change part in the middle of I Just yeah. Wanna, which comes out of the blue, but it's very Destroyer-esque. Is that something that Bob said, I've got this idea, or did you write no, that? No, that was mine. You wrote that in there. Yeah, I wrote that in there. Hmm. I always respected Bob and respected what he did with other bands also. And uh, to be inspired or influenced by great talent is a, a smart thing. Mm-hmm. So once in a while to go, well, what would so-and-so do? It's a good template. You learned from him. Yeah, right. totally. When you have a song like uh, Every Time I Look at You, the previous record had Forever on it, which mm. was a huge hit. Were you hoping for another response that that Forever got such a great response? And I've just, uh... Yeah, even more so, actually. I mean, honestly, I thought it was it was a more intimate and heartfelt Forever. Mm-hmm. I thought it was closer to Rod Stewart, to um, Have I Told You Lately, you know, Van Morrison. I, I thought it, 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 it was First Cut is the Deepest. Mm, right. It was much closer to those kind of songs. Look, our record company was just, I would have to say they weren't responsible for our successes, and most of the time they were <laughs> handily responsible for our failures. Um, so... It was a drag. It was a drag because we we did it on Kiss Unplugged again mm-hmm. because we figured, okay, in a in a live setting, it will maybe do the same thing for lack of a better comparison that Rock and Roll All Night did. First time Rock and Roll All Night came out, it, it did okay. It wasn't until the live version came out that it was breathing and and it it had that that quality to it. So I was disappointed. I was disappointed. When it didn't happen on Revenge, and I was disappointed when it didn't happen on Unplugged. But it's a really good song. Really, really good song. You figure they just didn't put enough promotional effort into it? or Maybe they didn't put any. Um, <laughs> it was a time where there were a lot of college kids almost running the companies in the sense that they were everybody in the field. And they could give a f- about Kiss. You know, they they were enamored with some band that looked like them. And bands that are forgotten today, so I think we were more seen as a pest and a nuisance uh, and an irritant. So we didn't get much uh, attention. In the same way, I, uh, I've said it before. I remember doing Madison Square Garden, and no record company showed up, but they were at some club watching Dan Reed. <laughs> so God bless Dan Reed, but their priorities were in the wrong place. So that's kind of what was going on in the early nineties too, was, was it was the birth of Nirvana and Pearl jam and that sort of thing. And kiss is like, they're still around. Like, what are they doing here? How dare they type of a vibe? Yeah. And, uh, you can only be new once mm-hmm. and then you have to, you, you justify your existence by being great. Mm-hmm. The novelty wears off. So for us to have been at that point, a band that had been around 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. Well, that's a, a feather in our cap. But for some people, it kind of means like your yesterday's news. That's great. But uh, today's news will be forgotten. <laughs> we had such a big fan base, too, such a loyal fan base that was still hanging on everything that you would do. And we, we had a, a fan base, I think, that was hoping that we would return to what they loved. Mm-hmm. I have to say that we had fans, rightly so, who 
if not abandon us, distance themselves. Right. Yeah. Because we weren't, you know, we weren't really necessarily worthy of the attention or adulation. I, I see that as a, as a plus. Our fans may love us and they may return, but they let us know whenever we we've gone uh, astray. Astray. The longest field goal ever attempted is seventy six yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also seventy six yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a seventy yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. We want to do a little number for you now! Talk is, talk is, talk is Jericho. All right, sitting here with Paul Stanley in his beautiful home, and it's the 25th anniversary of the Revenge album to the day. Exactly 25 years ago, Revenge was released in 1992. Uh, Paul, what was the response to Revenge when it was released? The response to Revenge was terrific. Mm -hmm. It really, the response to it was, wow, this is, uh, this is serious. And not serious uh, in any other sense except that uh, this is great music. This is no nonsense. Well thought out. Well played. And updated Focused kiss. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Some more, couple more questions about the record. I want to talk about the tour as well. But I have to ask you: You taped our sexy conversations and you sold them to the BBC. Who's the culprit? Yeah, it, <laughs> or is it like you're so vain you'll never say? Yeah, it actually. Um, how about this? It was inspired in the best way, not not a, accusatory at all. But um, I had been seeing Sam Fox, right? And Sam, Sam's great. I mean, she was a wonderful gorgeous just, girl yeah just as much fun in every way as you can imagine but the bbc and the, the the newspapers over there have a way of of being rather tawdry and writing stuff and exposing affairs and all kinds of things so it really wasn't about sam because she never did anything remotely like that but i was aware of the kind of things that happened in those newspapers so it was just kind of like a cool it was a cool image as opposed to really being about anybody mm-hmm. it was something that i'd like to hear in a song sometimes it's great to to put lines in a song that you go gee that's really cool mm-hmm. and i those were lines that i went wow those you know those, those are cool lines um like your backstage pass and black sunglasses <laughs> make you look just like a queen you know those those kind of things set up an image um, of an event, whether it happened or not. Yeah. So it was more, gee, this is this is a cool idea mm-hmm. as opposed to a reference to anybody. I love the lyrics. I was seeing a, a girl at the time, a, a stripper, and uh, gee, just, yeah, gee. <laughs> but the lyric of Go like, figure. you better listen up since you screwed me. You've been on my mind, and like, uh, I was cruising, I was doing fine, like I was fine without you. Yeah. And then you had to show up and screw everything up. Yeah. And that song to me was always like I would just put that on and just be like, yeah, I hate you, stripper girl. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but, but on on the same hand, you know, a song like "Take It Off," right? "Take It Off" was. We were in the midst of what they called gentlemen's clubs, the really the the heyday of those, and um, 
the glory of writing a song where you would see awesome looking women taking off all their clothes it was a a a challenge i couldn't resist you know <laughs> and get um take it off as such a cool song i mean it uh it's a great riff it's a great riff um there's great parts to the song yeah the the album's full of great songs mm-hmm. really really great songs that really translate live and you and i'm sure you weren't even thinking of this at all when you wrote take it off that you're going to have a gaggle of strippers on stage with you every night what a coincidence what a coincidence you know <laughs> what a good excuse yeah i have to do it i'm sorry you know it's part of the show honey you know it's it's theater <laughs> it's production yeah. so when you have this great new record it's very yes. heavy and it's very like you said back to the original vibe of yeah. kiss you want to put together a stage show that's surrounding that mm. and you had a great stage show with the revenge album yeah we we had the statue of liberty mm-hmm. which was really cool and again things don't necessarily have to make any sense but when we're riffing whether it's musical or ideas for stages I think the idea was, hey, wow, how about towards the end, the face drops off and it's like Terminator. <laughs> so it was really fun. And, and the idea that the stage kind of looked like a, a destroyed, whatever, apocalyptic, apocalyptic scene. So uh, it was it was great. I have to say that that Statue of Liberty was the most impractical, almost immovable object it was crazy. Some of the things that we did at that point were, were great in concept, but were not carried out brilliantly. <laughs> so that was... Uh, would, it be, would it not work sometimes? Or? Well, it was just so cumbersome. We actually thought about, at the end of the tour, we could sell it to like a like a donut shop or somewhere, and they could put it on the roof or something because <laughs> it was so friggin' big. And like the place with the giant, giant, giant donut, donut by the airport? Yeah, we thought, hey, you know, this is great. Somebody will buy and put it put it on the, <laughs> the roof of a, 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 a sub sandwich place, you know, who knows? <laughs> New York City subs. Yeah. Would that be you and Gene and, and, and your production designer putting together a, a, a set? How, would you, how do you create sets? A lot of times, I, I have to say, it's me. Mm-hmm. I enjoy that. I enjoy fleshing out a concept. And, um, you know, the dynasty stage, that hexagonal stage where we came, rose out. I drew that on a napkin while we were doing, uh, while I was in the studio with New England. Hmm. So um, a lot of a lot of them, you know, come from ideas of mine, animalized stage, crazy night stage. So I'm always thinking, you know, what would be cool and what would fans like to see? Mm-hmm. But that's basically me saying, what would I like to see? Because I want Kiss to be at our, at our best. And that's always been your vibe. What would I want to see if I was in the crowd watching a band yeah. since the day you started? Yeah. For me, it's always, it's not second-guessing the public, but more honing in on my own wants, my own, mm-hmm. you know, my own likes, my own needs. Did the uh, statue have a, have a name? Or it- she didn't. That's interesting because... You the know, one before, because Leon, yeah, he, you know, and that he was, was the a Sphinx, right? Yeah, and that was a play on the the boxer Leon Spinks. So that's why he was named Leon. It was Leon Sphinx. <laughs> there you go, folks. You've and, never heard that one. No, before. and it's always funny because people will think Leon, and they don't make the connection. <laughs> and that's exactly what it was. Leon Sphinx, and that was the Sphinx that his mouth would open, and he would kind and of we would talk. Yes. It was very cool. Yeah. And the, the red lights shooting out of the eyes, and we would be in the mouth. 
That was cool. It was, you know, it was the beginning of our return to uh, being true Kiss. To the big stage. Yes. Because Crazy Nights tour, I mean, especially there's a, a great bootleg of Crazy Nights in Tokyo. There's not even a Kiss sign, I don't believe. There's nothing on that stage. Yeah, I, I don't I don't remember. But the Crazy Nights tour was, was rather um, erratic. One night we played to a big house, and the next night we played to nobody. Mm. So uh, it was uh, feast and famine. Was so, Revenge a better turnout from the tour before? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. So Revenge, Revenge was nineteen ninety two. Ninety two. So yeah, Revenge was was a better, much better turnout than than before. Mm-hmm. But we were still rebuilding. I always think we had a lot of apologizing to do to bring people back. I think that there was a, a large segment of our fan base who felt forsaken and as though we had abandoned them and just doing one good album or something of that sort or one good tour is not going to is not going to appease anybody so we were in the process of rebuilding rebuilding the whole fan base yeah getting their trust back yeah when we, we laughed about it earlier but just that quickly when you were bringing the strippers in every night who was in charge of wrangling them who would call the local clubs someone on our crew and then we'd have them all back in a room beforehand to pick placement and it was great so what would you what would you tell would you have to tell them what to do just go out there and and be sexy Mm -hmm. just uh interact and and make everybody want to get to know you <laughs> but don't go too crazy though because you still got a lot of well yeah yeah um we we tried to walk that that mm-hmm. fine line of um not uh doing something that somebody who did bring their child mm-hmm. wouldn't like but that was uh, again at that time we didn't necessarily have a lot of kids showing up right that's really evolved over the years the longer we're around the wider the demographic mm-hmm. so now, yeah, we will have three generations at a show. At that point, wasn't really, really wasn't an Something issue much. Yeah. I was, I had a Penelope Spheris on this show a couple months ago, and we were talking about the decline of the Western civilization. And she mentioned uh, that when you showed up with the girls that were lying in the bed, that they weren't exactly up to snuff. So you called the Playboy Mansion and brought in some better girls. Well, <laughs> Did you have to do that with the strippers sometimes? Um <laughs> How can I put this? You know, some some towns it was pretty slim pickings, but we 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 had insurance because we had three strippers traveling with us. Ah, um, so we always had three killers. We had three ringers at all yeah, times. Yeah, so they're actually part of the crew. Yeah, they they were on the bus. Wow. Yeah, they were on the bus. Um, they actually were helping out and doing laundry. They were having <laughs> look to be to be on a tour on a rock and roll tour. Is a something that most people never get a chance to do. Mm-hmm. So they were they were happy, they were rock stars. <laughs> yeah. Another thing around this time that you guys had a lot of in that early '90s time frame was you, it was like the the, the the long form videos, like the 90 minute video cassettes. Mm-hmm. You had one '92, '93, '94. Was that kind of also because there was a lot of archival stuff which you had stayed away from, kind of in the '80s? Were you opening the door to maybe thinking about a reunion, or what was prompting that? There was never a thought about a reunion. Hmm. I mean, it was out of the question. 
Mm-hmm. It was not even, it, it didn't get a moment's consideration. It wasn't in the cards until it was in the cards. Mm-hmm. It, uh, there was no build up to it. There was no strategy. At that point in my life, I had no desire to do it. I would rather just keep doing what I was doing and be happy. You guys were happy with the lineup that you had once Eric Singer came in and kind of established himself. So you're saying that you would have been happy just continuing along with with Bruce and Eric and no makeup. Totally, until I changed my mind. Mm -hmm. Everything is true as long as it's true. In other words, what I say today is honest. doesn't necessarily mean that I'll feel the same tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Same thing with the farewell tour. It seemed it had to end. And then I realized... No, it doesn't have to end. They have to go, and it shouldn't end. But in the, the, the middle of it, when you're in the midst of it, what you're going through is, is, is true mm-hmm. and accurate. So there was no talk of reunion. There was no, no anticipation, no, no this will lead to this, this will lead to that. It reached a point, though, where it seemed that lives were precarious enough that if there was ever going to be a time to do it, it would be now because tomorrow somebody could be gone. Mm-hmm. So that's really how it started. But then it became a matter of, okay, can we? Mm-hmm. But leading up to it, I swore up and down. I had no desire to do it, and I didn't. Mm-hmm. And then one day I went, wait a minute, none of us are getting any younger, and maybe this is something we should revisit. You don't play any songs from Revenge anymore even on the kiss cruises and stuff like that specific reason for it none just no 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 reason could we yeah might we yeah (laughs) um interesting certain certain albums just don't uh don't seem to be the ones that we Mm -hmm. pull songs from but for no reason really in some sense it might come down to once again popularity of songs yeah and uh Again, you know, there are people who go, well, you you play basically the same songs. Well, those are basically the songs that most people want to (laughs) hear. So you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. You can make that that handful of of absolute diehards happy by playing She's So European, and you'll have 95% of the audience going, the hell is that? (laughs) So... (laughs) <laughs> but there is a chance that maybe one day on the cruise you might bust out one of those tunes. Oh yeah, I, I'd love to. I'd love to. There's, you know, there, there's no prohibition on the mm-hmm. songs. There, there's uh, Heart of Chrome's great. When we used to do, um, I just wanna live. It sounded great. People would love that because they get the chant out. Fu. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanna fu. Yeah, <laughs> that's great too. I just want to. Fu- I just want to. Fu- I just want to forget. Yeah, you. Look, great... you gotta. You have to have a sense of humor. Yeah, you know, and and uh, sometimes the humor goes too far, and it becomes kind of kitschy or or silly. But other times it's pretty cool. You know, um, a song like "Uh All Night" probably crossed the line <laughs> into into the the absurd. <laughs> Sex and sex. Yeah, but, you know, hey, I think I've written, I was trying to figure out 150 songs. I'm not even sure. Mm -hmm. So, hey, you know, (laughs) a couple of them were missteps. Is is I just want to, I mean, I I don't even have to ask you this, but it's a very summertime blues Mm. vibe. Is that where you got the inspiration? um, uh, Yeah, 
and not the the Who version, but the Eddie Cochran mm-hmm. version. So yeah, well, we're gonna raise a fuss. Yeah, yeah. Very body business. Yeah, yeah. It's, and it's and it's great. It's great because I know it, and most people don't. But it's it's a gem. You know, Summertime blues is a gem. Mm-hmm. Just a couple last questions. Do you ever? Um, I'm not, I'm not going to say miss playing with Bruce Kulick because Tommy's a tremendous player. But you guys had some great stuff with Bruce. Do you ever? Do you still? Uh, would you play with him again at some point, or would you think about just having him come on stage at the Kiss Cruise and play a solo or a tune or something along those lines? I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never been happier than playing with Tommy. Gotcha. I really, really enjoy and not only respect his playing but i admire his playing interestingly when he joined the band i thought he was really good mm-hmm. he's far more than really good he's pretty friggin phenomenal he's a great player i mean his depth he can play anything his little file cabinet of 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 uh solos and and parts he's great he's he's really 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 terrific i remember another great band at one of our shows and the guitar player went wow tommy's really great Mm -hmm. and he is he's he's uh i really really enjoy playing with him Mm -hmm. so i had a great time with bruce and um it doesn't mean i wouldn't get up and play with him again i gotcha but i i have to say tommy is really the quintessential guy for me he just he has all the roots that I love. He, all ha- he also has all the reference points, whether it's Ace. He knows everything, and uh, he's commanding. He plays. He plays with real authority, and he should. He's a great player. Mm-hmm. I love to. Um, I came and saw you this summer with my son Ash and his his friend, and to them, the spaceman is Tommy. They right. thought because they'd never seen Kiss before. And they couldn't stop talking about how great Tommy was. The Spaceman's great. Yeah. So it's the different generations of not even really knowing Ace or Bruce. To them, Tommy is the right. guitar and, player in Kiss. And my kids are very much the same. Mm-hmm. My kids see Eric and Tommy as the cat and, and the Spaceman. That's, that's who they are. They know that there was other people, but that's the past. Sure. And I don't say that to demean anybody because without the past, we wouldn't have the present. But And you did do something with Ace just last year doing Fire and Water on his... his Which uh, was so much fun. That must. How did that come about? That's a great... That was great. Out of nowhere. Ace called me and said, would you be up for being on my album? I said, of course. Sure I will. Why wouldn't I? I've said it before. I had everything to gain and nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. The worst that could happen is I say, gee, that wasn't a lot of fun. The best that could happen is I say, boy, that was great, and it was great to to spend time with him again. So uh, then we talked it over, and we tried to work things out, and uh, it turned out great. And he was he was really touched and and um, and uh, really appreciative of the vocal. Hmm. I, I don't know what he was expecting. But, <laughs> you think you're going to come in there and really tank it or something? Or? <laughs> he, but he was really taken by the vocal, which I hmm. I appreciated. And, and we had some you know great moments together. And then he called and said, would you do the video with me? I said, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, just before we were 
getting ready to to do it and plan, I popped my bicep tendon, and um, I had to have surgery pretty much immediately because my arm was just shot. Yeah. So I called him and said, if we're going to do the video, literally we have to do it like day after tomorrow or something like that. And he flew in after a show, and we we had a great time. Banged it out, yeah. We had a great time. It was, it was terrific. I have no feelings of animosity towards That's important. Yeah. I, to, to, you know, you guys are, are bros no matter what yeah, happens, right? You yeah. know, we have our moments of bickering and snickering, and but I have no feelings of ill will. Probably felt happy for him, too, that he's doing another record and he's out there touring. And I was happy. You know, I, I was happy, and I know Gene went to see him play. Mm-hmm. Some people have a hard time understanding that you can do that and not want more and be very, very thrilled to have that mm-hmm. i don't want i don't want to to revisit the past but i'd like i'd like to include ace in my life mm-hmm. it's it's fun when we see each other we we've done something unbelievable together we've done something phenomenal we 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 changed people's lives we inspired people to form their own bands to do all kinds of things so um that's something you can't take away from us, and so we're we're different people, and and our lives have continued. And to circle back to him, mm-hmm. wonderful. I I I had a great great time. And when people go, so does that mean? No, it doesn't mean <laughs> doesn't mean any of that. And yeah. nor does it need to. Mm-hmm. It's great just the way it is, and great just the way it was. Did you have any other choices for for the song, or was Bad Company? We we were kind of like last minute because we we at one point we we were um, talking about I think I said why don't we do Little Wing hmm. and um, I actually cut the track and then thought no this isn't this isn't what we should be doing a slower tempo song yeah and uh, then Ace came up with uh, Fire and Water which he was always a big fan of Free hmm. and me too so. Uh, it was a, a little daunting, only because when you're singing, <laughs> hey, Paul Rogers did a pretty damn good job. It's a pretty damn good singer, yeah. yeah. So that was that was kind of like, if not intimidating, it kind of not unlike revenge. You know, it kind of said, hey, get your A game. Mm-hmm. You know, don't screw around. And uh, it was great. Paul loved it. So that's oh great. yeah, he did. He oh yeah, feedback. That's great. Yeah, and. Uh, you know we're in touch, which is, you know, always fun. But uh, yeah, so it was a great time on many levels. So two last questions: When you talk about the Bob Ezrin Kiss track record of two huge successes, Elder, depending what side of the coin you are, I know there's talk about doing another record. Would you ever consider working with Bob Ezrin again with Kiss? No, no. Um, in all honesty, you know Bob's opinion. Uh, and some of the things he said about the last couple of albums were kind of, you know, dismissive. Okay. And I think, to me, missed a lot of that album or had a personal stake. Mm-hmm. And honestly, the other side of the coin is I haven't heard anything that he's done that I thought was particularly great. Recently. Yeah. yeah. So maybe it's just different taste mm-hmm. on both our parts at this point. So... um like other things in life, whether it's the reunion or 
what what have you, you you sometimes have to accept that that things aren't what they once were, and it doesn't take away from what you've done, but it also points to that that is no more, mm-hmm. and it doesn't warrant revisiting. Will there be another Kiss record? It's possible. Mm-hmm. It's get possible. Some get some riffs in the can. Interestingly, sometimes when when we've said, "Oh, this is like." destroy or cross with this or that sometimes people think it's going to sound like that Mm -hmm. and i never mean that i i'm not trying to recreate the past that's the most crazy thing i can imagine hey let's make an album that sounds like 1975 that's insane point it's insane pointless and so contrary Mm -hmm. to who i am when i've said in the past and I'll try not to do it anymore. Oh, it's a combination of this, this. I'm talking about spirit. I'm talking about Got it. my point of view in creating it. Not that it's, gee, this sounds like it could come off Destroyer. I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. That would be something that would be painstakingly painful <laughs> to try to do. Let somebody else do it. Mm-hmm. Let somebody else try to recreate our past. I don't want to. So if we do another album, it would have to be very different than the last two albums. Mm-hmm. I'm not a, again, I'm not even interested in doing a sequel to Monster. I mean, I, if we're going to do another album, it's got to really be different. And other bands have done that and that's 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 where I would want to go. Where did you get the name uh, Revenge for the record? I thought of it and it was I guess there was a certain amount of, I don't want to say anger, but a certain amount of pent up, not and not hostility, but emotion that that um, perhaps we we had gone off track and perhaps we had done some things that weren't hmm. great and perhaps some of the detractors, what they were saying wasn't necessarily wrong, and revenge was us saying. Now you get to eat your words. <laughs> so it was, uh, if not confrontational, it was us saying, you're wrong. Yeah, well, even the cover, too, with the metal and just looks yeah, heavy. Yeah, yeah, very much so. It was a great time for us. Mm-hmm. And uh, everything about it was great. The chemistry within the band, the chemistry with Bob, that's rare. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, like I said before, the team, when it was working well, was not only unbeatable, but just so exciting to have a a, a common cause between us and Bob. It was, mm-hmm. was terrific. Critically acclaimed. My favorite Kiss studio record. I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Thank you. 25 years. Favorite song in Revenge? Does one stand out? Oh, I really like... Heart of Chrome. Great team. Sold your sexy conversations to the BBC, man. (laughs) All right. Everyone needs to go listen to Revenge in honor of its 25th anniversary, my favorite Kiss studio album. And thanks to Paul Stanley for returning uh, to Talk is Jericho to talk revenge with us. And like I said, Paul was a a hero, an inspiration, and now he's my friend, and uh, I'm uh, damn proud to say it. He's a great guy. Uh, and he actually even wrote the forward to my new book, 
I can't say enough how much uh, I enjoy uh, Paul's company and how much uh, he's done for me. So uh, thanks to Paul Stanley for his third appearance on Talk is Jericho. Wow, he's getting up there with uh, Team Tiger Awesome and The Miz and Edge for being one of my uh, most frequent guesses. So thanks to Paul. Go pick up Revenge. Go do it now. And before we wrap up the show, we got to get Team Tiger Awesome, aforementioned Team Tiger Awesome, to take on this week's news. Here's the report. This is the news with Team Tiger Awesome. In Singapore, a business called The Fragment Room offers customers a chance to break stuff with a baseball bat in 30-minute intervals. The stress-relieving activity allows you to smash fragile objects such as teacups, champagne glasses, and your own crumbling sense of self. In teeny tiny baby news, I'd like to have my toys back. Give me my toys back. I'm going to tell mom if you don't give me my toys back. Wow. And now a check on the hyperbole index. I told you a million times is trading at, like, the highest ever, while the number of greatests of all time continues to climb, even though literally everyone already knew that, making this index the most pointless thing man has ever created. For more sort of, but not really useful news, listen to the Team Tiger Awesome Show every Sunday on the Jericho Network on Podcast One. TTA, keeping us updated on all the news we don't really need to know. And uh, had a great, uh, great episode of Talk is Jericho a few weeks ago with the Super Summer Movie Preview. Uh, say that three times fast. Super Summer Movie Preview. Super Summer Movie Preview. Super Summer Movie Preview. Yeah, go check that out. Hilarious stuff. Uh, and Team Tiger Awesome, always funny. Uh, every Sunday on uh, the Jericho Network. Go check them out on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, and be sure to give them a five-star rating and review as well. Leave all the Jericho Network podcasts five-star ratings and reviews uh, at Apple Podcasts, of course. Killing the Town with Storm and Cyrus. Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. Great, great interview with Bruce Kulick this week, talking about the 25th anniversary of Revenge as well. So go to the Jericho Network, Kiss fans, and you'll hear half of the Revenge lineup talking about the 25th anniversary of that classic album. Only here on the Jericho Network. you got the Raven Effect, who's uh, just on fire lately, telling great stories about his wrestling career. The flagship show, Keep It at 100 with Conan, always on fire. Beyond the Darkness, Raven was on this week, talking about his paranormal experiences, his uh, conspiracy theories. And speaking of Beyond the Darkness, their new podcast, True Crime Tuesday, is out now. But you can only get it by signing up at Patreon.com. It's five bucks a month, and you'll get a new episode every Tuesday. And all the episodes are ad-free. No commercials at all. Go to Patreon.com. Get in on the True Crime Tuesdays for just five bucks a month. That is worth it. And one big last thank you to this episode's tremendous sponsors and to all of you for supporting the great sponsors, DDP Yoga. Go to DDPYoga.com slash Jericho. Get 20% off the DDP Yoga Now app and all DDP Yoga related merch. Zip Recruiter, post your first job for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Jericho. True Car, go to the True Car app or TrueCar.com for all the savings available there. Thank you so much for listening. Keep listening for the 60-second AP News headlines coming up uh, coming up next and next Wednesday. Surf's up, dude. Cowabunga. I got one of the world's premier surfers, pro surfers. Matt Miola is going to be here talking all about surfing, uh, near-death experiences. How do you ride the waves? Uh, how do you avoid Avoid sharks, all that stuff. Matt's a great guy. He uh, go online, uh, go on YouTube, and look up Matt Miola, M E O L A. You'll see some of the greatest tricks you've ever seen. Pro surfing. He's going to be here. I don't know anything about surfing, but Matt is going to fill us all in, and he's going to be a great guest. And so, uh, uh, thank you so much. We'll see you tonight in Asbury Park uh, at the House of Independence with Fozzie Judas Rising Tour. Thank you so much. But in the meantime, and in between time, stay hard, stay hungry, peace, love, and hugs, and a big yeah, boy. I don't. I don't want to romance, I don't want to dance, I just want to fuck, I just want to fuck, I just want to fuck.
forget you. I'll never forget you, baby. We'll see you, on, uh, see you next Wednesday. You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcast1.com. That's podcastone.com. Yeah!